Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this summer day finds you enjoying life, enjoying your family, enjoying your neighbors. Because in the end, people will judge you anyway. So don't live your life impressing others. Live your life impressing yourself. So enjoy slipping into darkness with me. Following Nate Turner's rebellion in 1831, legislation to limit black people's access to education intensified. But you know what, my friends? We found ways to learn anyway. On August 21st, 1831, Nat Turner led a bloody revolt which changed the course of American history. The uprising in Southampton County led to the killing of an estimated 55 white people, resulting in execution of some 55 black people and the beatings of hundreds of others by white mobs. And while the rebellion only lasted about 24 hours, it prompted a renewed wave of oppressive legislation uh, prohibiting enslaved people's movement, assembly, and education. At the same time, abolitionists saw opening for the argument that the system of slavery was unjustifiable. Lawmakers in Virginia argued over which path to take, a vote to free slaves through gradual emancipation gained support with the state's leaders. It was a legitimate debate, and it was obvious it was not going to pass. Ultimately, however, Virginia and other southern states opted to keep slavery in place and tighten control of African-American lives, including their literacy. In the antebellum South, it's estimated that only 10% of enslaved people were literate. For many enslavers, even this rate was too high. As Clarence Lusane, a professor of political science at Howard University, noted that the growing belief that an educated enslaved person was a dangerous person. And the more educated we become, the more dangerous we become today. The 1831 revolt confirmed this view, which had been gaining steam for years. Turner was a passionate preacher guided by spiritual visions. His ability to read the Bible allowed him to find stories of divine support for fights against injustice. Enslavers and their clergy controlled the biblical narrative among illiterate enslaved people, but educated black Americans like Turner saw past this sanitized version 
which didn't call slavery into question. African-American literacy wasn't just problematic to enslavers because of the potential for illuminating biblical readings. Anti-literacy laws were written in response to the rise of abolitionism in the North. One of the most threatening abolitionists of the time was black New Englander David Walker. From 1829 to 1830, he distributed the appeal, a pamphlet calling for uprisings to end slavery. Black sailors brought Walker's text sewn into the seams of clothes to the South. Now, there's no proof that Turner himself read the appeal and was inspired by it. However, there's a lot of evidence that abolitionist writings directly influenced Caribbean uprising around this time. Abolitionist agitation was shaping the nature of slave resistance in the islands and American enslavers believed that it could influence enslaved populations stateside. Adding to such fears was William Lloyd Garrison's abolitionist newspaper, The Liberator, which began publishing it on January 1, 1831. Although it was edited by Garrison, who was described as a radical white abolitionist, it was largely seen as a black newspaper since most of its readers were African Americans, along with a few radical whites who believed in anti-slavery and anti-racism. Southern enslavers saw this paper as another example of outside agitation spread through the written word. Black American literacy also threatened a major justification of slavery that black people were less than human, permanently illiterate, and dumb. That gets disproven when African Americans were educated and undermines the logic of the system. States fighting to hold on to slavery began tightening literacy laws in the early 1830s. In April 1831, Virginia declared that any meetings to teach free African Americans to read or write was illegal. New codes also outlawed teaching enslaved people. Other southern states passed similar strict anti-literacy laws around this time. In 1833, an Alabama law asserted that any persons or persons who shall attempt to teach any free person of color or slave to spell, read, or write shall upon conviction be fined in a sum of not less than $250. A fine would be equivalent of about $7,000 in today's dollars. Despite the consequences, many enslaved people continued to learn to read.
I guess this was the beginning of whiteness understanding that as a people, we might give out, but we will never, ever give up. And so numerous enslavers may have supported this because many enslaved people did sophisticated work, including management of operations, which required literacy and barring black Americans from reading and writing wasn't a practical strategy for anyone. Anti-slavery ideas had already spread largely through written word. Literacy promotes thought and raises consciousness. It helps you get outside of your own cultural constraints and think about things from a totally different angle. The view that slavery was wrong and should be ended was reinforced through written texts. Soon after Turner's rebellion in 1862, the Emancipation Proclamation declared that all slaves in the states currently engaged in rebellion against the Union shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. When the U.S. Army units began arriving in Virginia in 1861, members of the freed black community quickly began opening up schools for African Americans. Staffed with black teachers as well as white northerners, following the end of the Civil War, literacy rates climbed steadily among black Americans rising from 20% in 1870 to nearly 70% by 1910. So there you have it, my friends. Not being able to read and write was a heavy chain around our necks. And once we got that chain off of us, it opened us up. It gave us freedom. It taught us that there was another way of life other than being enslaved. It gave us hope and put a little glide in our stride. And no one is asking whiteness to apologize for being white. No one is asking them to apologize for the sins of their ancestors. What we are asking is that you help dismantle the oppressive system they built that you still benefit from. As Misty Irby put it, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Until next time, my friends, Listen and learn and know that it has been my honor.